0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes!
1: the DFS Free Game Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender, Ed, Blender HD. if you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, NBA trade deadline. We saw a lot of stuff happen yesterday. What's going to happen tonight? I think, what, Thursday, Thursday afternoon, right? Thursday afternoon is the trade deadline. So we're going to, it's, it's going to be silly season. It's going to be silly season. We saw that last night uh, with, the, you know, we had, uh, what, what trades? But the Pacers had a big trade. Well, they traded Halliburton. The Kings. Everyone's going. Is that a bad trade? I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what the guy looks like. So apparently, apparently, he's a good young player. And the Kings are just like, I guess they're. Who knows? Who knows? They're getting some bonus. Does that matter? I don't know. So uh, stuff is going on. So obviously, going over today's slate. What's the point? I mean, what's? The, I mean, uh, uh, who's going to play? Who's going to be traded? It's only a six-game slate for a Wednesday right? We had the bigger slate on a Tuesday, yesterday, on Tuesday, typically the smaller slates on Tuesday and the bigger slates on Wednesday. So maybe there won't be as much, much silly season stuff today, but uh, what's the point in going over it? I mean, if we went over the slate yesterday after what happened 11 o'clock in the morning, what does that matter? It doesn't matter. That's why we reviewed the slates previously, right? Learn, learn DFS strategy, answer your questions in the chat. I see you guys in there. Suki Singh, Good morning, Jupocalypse. Good morning, Slick GM. Alex Santi's here. Kid Kidclouder, Kid clowder, Kicker, whatever, whatever. He has a one. Is a shouldn't be. It should be an L. I don't know. Jamie, Ronald Coley, people from the Roto Grinders Discord, right? Some people in our Discord. Like, oh, you have a show in the morning? Like, how do you not know? How do you not know? I'm here like every Monday through Friday, most, most, mostly, eleven o'clock in the morning. Give me those thumbs-ups. You know what to do when you walk in the door. Give me those thumbs-ups. It helps us out a bunch. I'm always told we need more thumbs-ups. We need more thumbs-ups, little like buttons, whatever, subscribe buttons, notification bells. Just take your mouse. Click around the screen as much as you want, right? Even pause me. You can even pause me on the hit my head. You can do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Say hello in the chat. Uh, I'm always answering any questions you got in there. Good morning, MJC. Kickstart, Joe Adamo. Uh Giannis killed you in cash yesterday. I'm assuming you didn't have him, uh, because yesterday yesterday was just basically uh, uh, we we had tons of players that are like way way uh way w- way underpriced for the situations they're gonna be. Basically, the Pacers and the Blazers were running essentially eight man rotations, right? The Nets also had Harden out with Durant and Irving already out, but they at least had a lot more players, right? So, you know, yeah, all this usage is gone. But, like, they started Bembry and Brown, but they have Cameron Thomas. They got, you know, Blake Griffin's there, but they also have James Johnson. Like, like they, they, they could spread out their minutes in a lot of different ways. The Pacers and the Blazers really couldn't. So, uh, I mean, the, the Blazers, I mean, the top projected guys for the Blazers, we had Justice Winslow. He was 3K. Uh, obviously, he gives a bump to, to Anthony Simons. He was 7,000, so it's not like he was, like, cheap, cheap or anything. Uh, and then he had guys like Ben McLemore and C.J. Ellaby, uh, the, the, uh, Dennis Smith Jr., uh, who, well, I mean, obviously Nurkic, but he's 8,500. So, like, yeah, he gets a bump, but he's also expensive. And then on the Pacers, like, their backcourt was less like, I mean, their, their backcourt was traded to the, the Kings or the Cavaliers, right? Levert's going to the Cavaliers. Then you have Holiday. Brogdon's out. Right. Brogdon was out. And then then Holiday and Lamb, they're going to the Kings. So they, they started Lance Stevenson. And uh, what we know about Lance Stevenson is that uh, very high usage player. Right. He, he like he's a ball hog. So it was like Sykes, Stevenson, Duarte, uh Who else started? Tori Craig and Goga because he's back. But uh, but Isaiah Jackson was out. So, like, they were running, like, an, like a, I think an eight-man rotation and was more thin in the backcourt, right? Because they still have ta- Brissette and Taylor for the front court, And Craig is not a high-usage player as a, as a pseudo-power forward, if you want to call him a power forward. So, like, like, in our projections, essentially, like, Lance Stevenson at 3,200 became, you know, he, his salary adjusted plus-minus was, like, plus 11, 11.5 or something. Like, when it gets to those ranges where they're median – their median projection is nine X their salary, especially when they're 3,200 like that. Those are jam. Those are jam type of situations. You, sh- you should be getting a ton of them. The only reason you wouldn't be getting all of them is because we also have the Blazers and we also have like Goga and Duarte and all these other pacers. So it's like there's, there's only so you, you still need raw points. So you're still probably p- paying up some in some spots. You're not going to leave 10,000 on the table, so th- that would be the only reason. Like I played 80 lineups yesterday. I had Lance in at 76, percent right? I had Winslow and about the same. Uh, I ended I ended up with, with a lot of DSJ and Sykes in as as under owned cheaper plays, and they kind of like bombed my lineups. It's not like not like they did horribly, but I mean 13, 15 points ain't gonna cut it on a slate like this. And I was doing a lot of late swap stuff. So like my original stuff, like because that Pacers game started, and then we had you know, 10 of those 10 o'clock games. And then uh, we had Rashawn Holmes ruled out and Bagley ruled out. So that bumped up Damian Jones and Damian Jones came in at 1.8%. And unfortunately I was only able to jam him into like 8% of my lineups because, because I mean, because other guys projected better like Winslow projected better than him. Right. So, so I would, I would love to have that beforehand, but if we take a look at uh, across across the, a lot of uh, sharper players, I mean, you can see here, look, look at Winslow. He was 51 percent owned. And if we take a look across the spectrum, 60, 48, 78, 91, 82, 75, 74. I mean, would, take a look at the hard green. Right. For the most part, way over way, uh, even at 51 percent as under owned Lance Stevenson, 45.7 Percent on, and I he would have been higher on the that Pacers news with the with Brogdon and Jackson came out like what like 45 minutes before lock or something like not not not, not like completely because we got the Sabonis trade news, but we still didn't know if Brogdon and Jackson were going to play. Because if Brogdon and Jackson played, then a lot of these Pacers guys would have been like okay, and that that's about it. Uh, but with Brogdon and Jackson out, it's like they're playing an eight man rotation. Uh, and then we got the, that, that the, saw that Stevenson was starting, uh, not Dwayne Washington. And, uh, and and you could have played Dwayne Washington also. I mean, like, all of them were going to play, like, 30-plus minutes. And they're all cheap. Duarte was 5,500. He was the most expensive player on the Pacers. And I still got a bunch of him also. So you can see here across the board, I mean, you could have played. You didn't have to play Duarte. I mean, depending on whether or not you considered him to be over or under-owned. At 25% ownership for the field, I, I consider him to be under owned. I thought his efficient ownership was around 30, 32% or so. Uh, Simons was well owned, but I was, I mean, I was over the field on most of these guys. I was under on Brandon Ingram. Uh, he was the de facto with uh, the Pelicans because the Pelicans made a trade also, right? Uh, so at 9,200, he was at, at uh, especially at small forward eligible. Uh, I mean, it says Justice Winslow is small forward here, but he's re- he was really just power forward only. Uh, I thought the field would be over too, too much. I thought Ingram's efficient ownership on the slate was like maybe 25 ish percent or something. Uh, so I ended up playing a lot more like Luca. I played, uh, some Giannis, Jokic, Embiid. I played a lot more Trey Young. I was surprised Trey Young was only 15% though. I played like, like almost 50% of Trey Young for the primary reason is that since I was playing a lot of Pacers, right. Uh, the Pacers were playing the Hawks, so if I'm if I'm going to jam in, like I made I made it a point with the Pacers and Blazers projections, I, I I set a rule to have at least two from both teams. So I had two Pacers, two Blazers in all of my lines. Uh, I had a max of four for each, but I also set up a rule that if Trey Young is in the lineup, make sure to have make sure to have more Pacers because it's both sides of a game. Right. There is a correlation there. It's not the strongest of correlations, but it's a correlation of both sides of the game. The game is close. The starters play the most. Right. The game goes over. Right. Trey didn't even get his like last five minutes of his rotation. He still scored 55 points. But I did also the same with like uh, Cole Anthony and uh, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. for the magic. They didn't project great. They were they were okay. I mean, on this, on if it was any other slate without all this value, they would have been. Oh, okay, you can play these guys. I mean, they're pretty well projected; they're fine. But like a salary adjusted plus minus of like one and two on a slate where there's ten players that have five or above, like it's not. It's they're okay. You can play. Oh, sure, you can. You can play them. But I also set that that since I'm playing a ton of Blazers, why not place? Why not prioritize a little bit more of the Magic to have both sides of the game. Uh, but it, but my late swap endeavors, I mean, I ended up because I was late swapping and trying to get in like Damian Jones. And I was I was I was moving stuff around depending on like I was looking to play Winslow in my better lineups and not in my other lineups. Right. Because you take a look at like, the Pacers, like when I saw like Sykes, Sykes has a snowflake. It's like, well, I probably I may not want to play Winslow in those because I know Winslow's going to be, you know, 50 percent owned or something or like Anthony Simons, that type of stuff. So uh, the, the, the byproduct of that is that I got a lot more uh, Davion, Davion Mitchell uh, than, than I originally intended. I think I originally had like maybe 15 or 20 percent and I ended up with like 30 percent only because obviously he's in one of the 10 o'clock games. So like he's open for business as far as putting putting them in your lineups. So that that kind of that that didn't do well. I mean, I didn't have a bad night. I mean, I lost. Yeah. I mean, like minus minus 15 percent or something. But I lot a lot of lot good lineups. Like, uh, you know, lineup that like, could have contended, right? Heading into the late games where like all flame emojis and everything. And then, you know, DSJ has 15 points or, or, uh, Damian Mitchell has, has 17 points, right? Something like that, right? Because I would have a Luca lineup. I would have a Luca and a Giannis lineup, right? And then that lineup has Kiefer Sykes in it. So, like, ah, like, ah, or Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin, who, who the first half seemed fine, but I mean, that. Did you see the beginning of the game? I didn't see it. I just was following the score twenty eight to two, right against the Celtics. Uh, if you played a bunch of the Nets, I, I don't, I don't think that was bad per se. But the the problem the problem with the Nets is not that all the, oh, the matchup against the Celtics. Yeah, sure. It doesn't matter what team they're playing. Without Harden, without Irving, without Durant, I mean, it's it's not a real team, right? It's not a real team. The problem is, is that they still have like ten guys. Right, so Benbury and Brown started, and like you, who knows what this rotation is going to be? Right, who knows? You know, because they still have Dayron Sharp. They got some of these younger guys, Jebon Carter. So, like, no one's guaranteed to play thirty minutes. Right, they could be rotating whatever the hell they want. So, nothing stood out. Like Patty Mills, he was fifty eight hundred. Like, could yes, if they, it was a more competitive game, someone could have gotten there. But who knows who that was going to be? Most likely Blake projected the best out of the bunch. Uh, but like, I, I can understand, especially with all the value that was already here, like why play the Nets? If it was a, if it was a slate where these trades didn't happen, like, yeah, the Nets, the Nets would have been way more chalky, right? Blake Griffin could have been like 40% owned, right? Patty Mills could have been 10% owned. We would have seen Dia Bembry at double digit ownership, but you didn't, you didn't need these guys because look even Cameron Thomas Cameron Thomas didn't even start and he was 16% owned. I mean you see here a lot of people right look across the board like not, not much like why would you want to play a 16% owned Cameron Thomas. Take a look at DSJ. See I'm not, I'm not that I'm not that bothered with my DSJ exposure when I see some some people cheese, brick, royal pain, chipotle RBX88 at 33% Right, I ended up with a lot more than that, only because I was late swapping a bunch. But uh, but I fifteen percent ownership. I was I was I I put his uh, ownership in as like twenty six percent or something. So imagine if I if I put it in fifteen percent, I would have probably gotten a lot lot more. So that 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 almost benefited me. Right, Dwayne Washington. Right, oh, you got some people that went. So some of, some of the more contrarian players. I could see here. I mean, this is what you do. You go through and you see, you know, the types of lineups that you were building, are they similar to the types of lineups that other other sharper players were building, right? And some have slightly different strategies, right? I mean, you could say, I'm going to go under on, on Winslow, but you're probably going over on Lance Stevenson. But I don't see anyone here. I mean, the wh- Whistles. Whistles was the only one to like be significantly enough under on the two chalkiest players on the slate. Let's take a look at his overall exposures. Is he a little bit more balanced? Okay, where? Okay, this is this is this is not working out. Uh, let me <laughs> let me start by field. Okay, so let's go to whistles. So forty-seven percent Goga. Seems like it was a lot more a lot more spread out. Twenty-one percent Wendell Carter. Okay, that makes sense if you're playing Blazers. Twenty-one percent James Johnson. Twelve percent, Jason Tatum. I guess if you're playing, if you're playing Nets, ten percent, De'Aaron Fox, twelve percent, Devontae Graham, eleven, Tory Craig, Jalen Brown. Seemed like he leaned a little bit more towards the Nets game. Fourteen, Trendon Watford only scored eleven points. Why? Why you play Damien Jones at that point? What was Damien Jones's? Uh, let, let's take a look. Filtered by team. Let's go to Sacramento. Damian Jones. So here you can see all the late swappers, right? Because probably before before Holmes was out, you shouldn't have any. I don't see a reason why you would have had any Damian Jones. So it looks here that there were there were late swaps other than brick and cheese, but like Chipotle, thirty nine percent, the Colts, twenty six percent. Or me too. I guess you could count me too as well. Right? So these are a the late swap. The only reason like you'd only get a very small amount is because all your slots are kind of locked up, right? You've know, only got two slots left, and and someone like Winslow in the late games projects better. So most likely you're leaving Winslow in, and then your other slot may be like Anthony Simons. So it's like you're not going to – like Simons projects for more raw points than Damian Jones, regardless of you know the median multiplier. So you're not going to just like leave four thousand on the table and play a guy that projects for ten points less. But he should be chalky tonight. I think he's he's one of the high currently. I mean, based on our algorithmic early projections, they'll, they'll 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 go in and make manual updates. But if Holmes is out again, yeah, I mean, what? what they, and Bagley is out also. They have like, they have no front court. They're like the what? It's Jones, me too. Who else? I mean, there's nothing. There's not much up there. But like I always say, this is what I do in the morning. Maybe not at 11. Sometimes I sleep even later. So at 12, 1, or sometimes the night of, you know, afterwards. Look, look, look through. I may look through a, a little bit more than this. I may look for specific things. I just get a sense of was I making lineups, especially since I'm playing large, you know, large field contests. But even if you're making smaller field, could we go to like the Rainmaker? Right? Some people may only play one lineup into this. Right? Look in the Rainmaker. Like, other than whistles, Lance Stevenson, 100%, 100, 100, 100, I mean, like, right? The field, 83% Stevenson in the Rainmaker, which is only 134 inches. Look at this ownership. And you have Chipotle, Kobe for MVP, E. Hafner, Oxen Petty Theft, Whistles. Like these are like the best players in NBA DFS. Some of the best players in NBA DFS. So if, if you're not making lineups similar, if you would not rather trade their lifetime results in NBA DFS with someone else, that, that, why wouldn't you be playing lineups that are similar? Exact? No, no not exactly exact if you were playing lineups that were similar to a lot of sharper players, long-time, lifetime profitable players, that's typically a sign that you're playing with. If you're playing lineups that look nothing like that, then you're probably not playing. Going through the YouTube chat. Dylan Myers says, hey, Blender, I bought your course for myself for Christmas and already earned my money back. Good. Thank you. I look forward to going through the course again before NFL restarts. Yes, that's what the course is all for. It should be able to be listened to multiple times. So you listen to it once, you play for a month or two, listen to it again, and the concepts start. You know, you get more like muscle memory of you know how, how you should be thinking and approaching the game. Should I play this lineup, that lineup, what contest, what you know? You could enter new, new sports and say you know well, what what's the game theory of this sport. What concepts apply more towards these sports than other sports? still all game theory. But like in NBA, correlations doesn't really matter that much. And also, NBA is not an event-driven sport. So the, 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 the distribution curve of player projections for NBA is much more normal. Okay? Normally distributed, more normally distributed, and less variant. Which means typically the higher projected guys – do well i mean like that's typically right as long as you get the minutes decently right right in the long run over the course of a season three seasons five seasons you know you're, you're probably do well you know just using these these levers right projection ownership projection leverage correlation that you really don't even need this correlation lever you really don't projection and leverage is all you need then you have baseball well, that correlation lever, you're just jamming up, jamming up to the high, right? You play five batters from a team. Very high correlation. And then determining, depending on, you know, the field size and the strength of your opponents and the, the actual owner, the ownership of those fields compared to the fields that you're playing, judging, you know, how contrarian your lineup needs to be. And once you figure out how contrarian lineup, the round, around what it needs to be, then All you're doing is selecting players that fill that parameter as a whole for as much projection as you can get. Let's see. Kickstart said, do you get into any Javon Carter? No, I would not know there's no there was no reason to play Javon Carter. Not with all the value that's already there. Why? Why wouldn't you play Winslow, Steven? Once you're putting in Winslow, Sleith, Stevenson, and Goga or something in your lineup, like you don't need any 3K guys anymore. You know, like there's no need for them. So I'm not going to play a guy that projects for 12 points lower for no reason. <sighs> Joe Adamo says, I feel like my process was good. This is why I only do my 150 in the five. cent Fandle 20. Master the process. That, that's what you should be doing. Play the lowest stakes you can until you learn until you can beat that game. Until you can get a good ROI in the lowest stakes, you shouldn't be playing higher stakes or mid stakes or mid low stakes or whatever. You'll see that your ROI, the better that you play is going to be much higher in the lower stakes. And even if I just go to my, my own rotor tracker, I mean, obviously on DraftKings, I can't even play anything under like five bucks. Unless it's the four dollar twenty max or whatever, it depends on the size of the prize pool. But that's what I play. I play quarter arcade, but I didn't quarter arcade one dollar contest, three dollar contests. Just because the max is like twenty doesn't mean you have to play twenty. You can play three. It doesn't matter how many lineups that you play. How many lineups is the max for a contest? So when I started to play, uh, you know, MLB. I was playing, you know. I would hand build, you know, eight lineups, 12 lineups, 15, you know, something like that. Still use the projections and everything, but not use a tool, not use an optimizer or anything to, to make the lineups for me. No, no. What's the ownership? What's the projection? Put the pieces together and go, this this, this seems like it has the, the, the right balance for this for this contest. And then go into the next lineup and the next lineup and the next lineup and the next lineup. Once you get comfortable with that process. And the results over a course of a year or two are positive, then you're like, well, maybe it maybe makes more sense. It's like if I could build fifteen good lineups, I could probably build fifty good lineups. Now, get now, now from a time consideration, building fifty by hand is kind of a little bit tough. So now you want to scale your already profitable process up, and that's when you use a tool like results like uh, like lineup HQ. And then all you're doing with lineup HQ is I know what the types of lineups I want to make. Uh, how do I how do I get the lineup builder to make those lineups for me? Not I don't know what lineups to make. Let let the let lineup HQ tell me what to do. Now that's that's not the right methodology of doing so. That's not the right mindset. But in the lower stakes, you should show a much higher ROI. I think my my ROI in the lower stakes. I mean, uh, like especially in like cash games was like fifteen to twenty percent in the one dollar, two dollar, three dollar games. Fifteen to twenty percent is is elite level. You can't get that at the high. You can't come close to that. The higher stakes, then the mid stakes, it would be like four to seven percent. That the high stakes, it's like two percent at best. Right? It's more raw money. Right? It's more raw money, but the the ROI percentage is small. Putting hundred thousand dollars worth of volume and getting a one percent return. You know, you're talking about a thousand bucks, but it's still better than putting in three hundred dollars worth of volume and getting a twenty percent return because that's sixty dollars. But if you can't beat the lower stakes games, you ain't going to beat the higher stakes ones. So yeah, that's that's the right that's the right mentality to have. Play one hundred and fifty lineups into the nickel contest. Play ten lineups into the nickel contest. It doesn't have to be one hundred and fifty. And over the course of a year or two, your bankroll should go up if you're playing well. It may, it may, it, it most likely if you're playing just GPPs, it's going to go down, 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 big spike. And that big spike is going to make up for all the losses and then some. And then you go down, 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 big spike. And then after two or three big spikes like that, then you're like, okay, I, I got a, you got a 45% ROI, right? Overall. And then you're like, okay, maybe I move up to the dollar contests now. And then you do the same thing. Down down, 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 big spike. Down, 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 down big spike. That, that's like another year. Then you move up to the $4.20 max. You win the $3 contest, the $5 contest. Try to keep under 5 if you can, or just add more volume. So now you're playing the $4.20 max. Now you're playing the and one $1.20 max. You're playing the quarter arcade. You're playing maybe two dollars $300 worth of volume now. All in the low stakes, and then just crush that. Down, 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 big spike. Down, 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 down maybe, maybe you get three or four binks a year. Next thing you know, you're three or four years in. Your bankroll's now <coughs> 15, dollars $20,000. You started with $500. And now you move up. Now now you start playing. Now you're building 20 lineups into the fadeaway, There's a $15 contest, right? You're still doing the, the 20, magnet, and you move up the Another two years. Now you down, 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 a big bank, down, and a big bing, and one of those big banks could be like fifty grand or a hundred grand. And now you're now you're in year four, year five, and now your bankroll is one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. That's that's what you should be doing. You just have to have patience. I talked about this yesterday. Oh, let's see, going through the YouTube chat. That's why I like going through your lineups and saying if your process is good. Like I looked at my lineups and said, I don't see anything based on based on looking at sharper players and and comparing what my uh, projected ownership versus actual ownership and what my lineups look like based on those. Like, like, I don't think I I I don't think I would have done really much different. I don't think so. And some of the stuff was a byproduct of late swap. I get it. Like the Davion Mitchell. I ended up on more of him only because I was late swapping. And he fit in, right? But no, I was fine. Trey was under-owned, and I played the most of him, right? I had a bunch of Sengun. He did pretty fine. And I see across the board, more people were over than under. I have no problem with Kiefer Sykes. I mean, I mean some just devoided him, like RBX and E. Hafner. I see Royal Payne and Ship My Money at God knows how much of him. So I'm right. Patty Mills, I just X'd out. And it seemed like that was the right move. Other than Kobe and Ship My Money had a bunch. But for the most part, a lot of people had zero. And I so I had zero. And I'm looking at all here, here's all these players that I respect. And a lot of them have zero. So, like, okay. I I, I was probably in the right direction. Didn't matter what the process was. Patty Mills put up 74 points tomorrow, yesterday. I'd be looking at the same thing and going, "Oh, well, was it a mistake not to have any of them?" Well, it doesn't seem like, seem like everyone, a lot of people had nothing, and it's not like he projected that well. Oh, let's see. People are talking in the chat, which I always love to see, talking amongst themselves. Do, 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 do. Joe Adamo says NHL is consistently at the top all the time. So my process is fine. NHL and MLB are my strongest sports. What's the, what's the, what's the, the, the correlation. Funny, funny say between uh, NHL and MLB. Highly correlative sports. Some people have, have trouble going to and from those types of sports. I, I would, I would consider like NBA to me is, like the least correlative. Like, I would put some of these sports in buckets. So, like, I would put, like, NFL, MLB, NHL kind of together. I would put, like, PGA, MMA, NASCAR kind of together. I would guess maybe you throw in, like, League of Legends in the the MLB, NHL bucket. And then NBA kind of just stands out on its own. Because you have, sport, you have sports like NHL and MLB, highly, highly correlated. League of Legends, highly correlated. You're, you're, not, you're, you're playing four or five guys from a team, right? You're playing lineups that are like 5-3, 4-3-1. Three, three, you know, you're stacking teams, not, not player players, right? Other than the pitchers. And then you have like MMA and golf, where it's like, it's very, very, very binary. MMA is totally binary. But PGA is like limited correlation, and there's no teams. So it's just like pick six golfers. That's it. So I consider MMA and PGA to be more sports that are built around leverage. Right, that leverage lever is the most important lever out of in those types of sports. NASCAR, NFL showdown contests for any sport, limited limited amount of options. Those types of things. So when those three levers, projection, leverage, correlation, that leverage lever goes up. NHL and MLB, correlation lever goes up. NBA is the one where the projection lever goes. That, that's where the correlation leverage are the ones that are in the lower. I'm not milking cows, by the way. It looks like I'm milking cows. So if you're good at one of those buckets, those three buckets, maybe getting used to the other levers. Right. So when you play NBA, it's like it's, it's a lot more projection. Oriented. You're still you're still trying to get leverage. Right. If there's some form of correlation, like as a 50 50 toss up type of thing, maybe you throw that in. But for the most part, you know, if you're, you're you're trying to get the highest projection for the lowest ownership, and that's pretty much the name of the game in NBA. I and mean, that's the name of the game in all of DFS, but you're primarily doing it through projection. They're trying to get 75th plus percentile outcomes or something out of all your players for the sat for, for adjusted for salary. MLB, no, you're just trying to get, you're trying to get the right teams. You don't even have to get all the right batters. Is there a team that's going to put up 16 runs today? Just have five guys from that team. Most likely you're going to win. Are you going to, you're going to have really good lineups, right? Can you find that team versus their ownership as, as a block? So it takes, it takes up more spots in your lineup. So essentially in MLB, even though there are, what, 11 spots in your lineup, 10 spots in your lineup on draft teams, a lot of times it's really just like two, two pitchers and two teams, and you're just weaving them together, and that's it. NBA, you have, there's just eight spots. A lot of times you're not playing multiple guys from a team, unless they're extremely underpriced, like, they, like yesterday. Then you have like MMA and PGA, NASCAR, that type of stuff. We're, we're limited correlation. I can't speak for NASCAR, right? Because I don't play NASCAR. So maybe there is. Uh, you're, you're focused more on like not being duplicated. You're focusing more on, you know, oh, the high-owned guy is fighting a low-owned guy, right? If you get the low-owned guy that beats you, you kind of that leverage works out. And right, when the 6% own guy beats the 50% on guy and you have the 6% own guy, like you rise up with 6% of the field while 50% of the field goes down even further. So you gain even more relative value. The amount of relative value available in contests like MMA, especially is, is massive. It's absolutely massive. PGA to some extent also because of price ranges. You'll see some guy that's 25% owned at 7,200. And another guy that's 15% owned at 7,200 in that range. And then a whole bunch of guys that have like 2% ownership. And a lot of times, if you're, if you're, if you're playing, you know, 49.5 salary and above, that they could be a massive leverage by like fading cheap chalk and just playing a combination of a lot of other different types of players. Oh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Going through the YouTube chat while they're talking amongst themselves. Yeah, Joe says I ended up paying taxes this year. Paid for two vacations. And there you go. What's wrong with that? I played for pl- plenty of vacations for DFS. Right? Went to Hawaii but two years ago. I mean, but this is what I mean. Everything that I I mean, it's a, it, DFS doesn't pay for. I mean, DFS is what I do. It's like saying I'm a doctor and then my doctor paid for my like, yeah, it's my job. Uh, Kickstart says one thing I learned in MLB last year is that it's a very viable strategy to play someone not starting in the starting lineup and has min salary so you could play play, pay it for stacks. just for in showdown. Oh, yeah, in showdown you could do it. Especially MLB. A zero. There, there may be plenty of people who get zeros in MLB. they're talking amongst themselves in there anything else anything else to talk about what's going on today lamella ball is he going to be chalk hayward's out is there anyone else out because they don't have anyone who's who's who else is out? Okay, Hayward's out. Is there someone else out? I guess they're running with the very... Yeah, because we have Richards and Plumlee, and they pretty much play the same position. So are they going to be running with, like, a seven-man rotation? I guess L- LaMelo, is he going to be chalky? Rozier? I mean, all of these guys. I mean, on a six-game slate, if we take a look... I mean, as of right now, I didn't update it. I mean, Sacramento, Sacramento, Portland still... Right? We have to assume that the new players aren't there yet, that aren't going to play in Charlotte. Let's update these projections a little bit. As of now, like I said, as of now, who knows, half these players are going to be traded. No, it hasn't been updated. Who knows, maybe Utah, something happens there. L- the Lakers, it's a back-to-back. Maybe LeBron sits, maybe Davis sits. Westbrook probably should sit. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if I'm going to play tonight. Right? It's the trade deadline. Typically, I watch wrestling on Wednesday nights, so I have to deal with the what the ten o'clock. There's three games at ten. I know there's going. I know it's late swap, late swap time. I'll take a slate off. No harm in that, right? If I can't be completely locked in, especially with the trade deadline, I hear I just might as well not play. Right. I don't want to be stuck like missing late swaps for 10 o'clock. And then all, all, all my all my EV goes goes down the drain. So maybe I, I don't play today. I'll play soccer. Right? The soccer's going on. This is the Premier League. I At a 245 Eastern? I'll be playing that. But I only play one lineup for that. Mostly, usually. Uh, okay. It's a short show. Short show today. It's a short show today. Uh Obviously, all the concepts that I am talking about—projection, leverage, correlation—those are the core fundamental DFS concepts. You could find in the theory of daily fantasy sports. Fifteen-hour audio DFS masterclass: How to Think Like a Professional DFS Player. You can go to theoryofdfs.com. dot and it has all the chapters. It's an if you could you can watch. I have a playlist on my YouTube of all of the pre- DFS pregame shows on RotoGrinders. This show, all of them. It's two hundred and thirty-eight videos. And they're mostly around close to hour-long shows. So if you want, you could watch all of them. No matter, and you could learn everything by just watching that playlist. Just start from two years ago and watch every show. You'd, you'd, you'd be an expert. You'd be an absolute expert at everything. Uh, that takes, takes a lot of time. I mean, personally, that's what I would do. Right? If, if, I, if I was starting to play DFS today, That's exactly what I would do. That's literally what I would do. Because that's what I did back in 2015. 2015, 2015-2016, when I started playing DFS, I I I read everything. I watched everything. Like on Rotogrinders. I mean, I was a Roto Grinder subscriber. That's 2016. That was I was just a subscriber like anyone else. But I went back in the forum threads, I was reading posts from three years ago. I was watching uh, strategy, you know, hour-long shows from two years ago. Anything with Jonathan Bales or Chris Raybon, or you know, some of some of the older hosts that used to be on here, uh, or even the ones that still are, like Noto and Meansy and Cards and all those, and uh, and watch. And that's how I learned how to play DFS. Watched I I, I, don't, prob, I don't know how much video I watched, hundreds of hours, right? And I was still only playing like less than hundred dollars a slide. They're learning how to play, and this—the content is there. The content is there for you. All you have to do is watch and learn. Watch, play, learn. Watch, play, learn. Watch, play, learn. There's no, there's no reason you can't go through all that within three months. You're you're pretty much um, can said directionally accurate enough to be profitable at DFS, especially at the low stakes. But if you don't want to go through 238 videos, 15 hours, it's nice structured, it's like a little seminar. Me and James McCool has all, all these concepts. Obviously, a lot of it is statistics. So you could take you could go to Khan Academy, you could take a basic statistics class. But a lot, a lot of this is just statistics and probability. You go through this all. Typically, you come out on the other side, a profitable player. Long-term profitable. Now, then I'll, I'm going to listen for 15 hours and the next day, bink $100,000. That, it was that easy. I wouldn't be teaching. I'd be keeping it a secret and you'd just see my name on top of the leaderboard every single day. I'd be a time lord or something. No, that, obviously it's not like this. It's long-term profitability. So go to theoryofdfs.com. Pick that up. Kickstart asks if there's anything for the fights this weekend. I'll I'll go over the UFC slate on Friday. I haven't put together my spreadsheet for it, so I have no idea. Hopefully, all fifty. I want I want the most amount of fights. I hope so. But, uh, but I, I always I always show my my MMA spreadsheet, or at least my Friday version on on Friday sort of when betting lines, whatever. I I mean, I'll be I'll be working my soccer stuff this afternoon. So yeah, so so tune in Friday. I mean. 10% of people care about MMA, but since I do play MMA DFS, I might as well share. I share everything, right? It always amazes me. I don't mind teaching. Oh, I'm going to teach this course and give away my edge. Like None of these concepts are mine. It's just, it's just math, game theory, statistics, probability. There's nothing, there's nothing new. I'm not, I'm not reinventing anything. I didn't, I didn't come up with any of this, right? but I, I rely on the fact that 95% of you won't actually do. it. <laughs> if everyone that took this course actually did and implemented it well, then then there, the DFS would be a way harder game, way harder game. There's still, still, there's still tons of dead money in the contest lobbies that uh, they, you should be able to be profitable playing this, if, if you play it well enough, over the long run. So go to theoryofdfs.com, obviously. Hit the like button on your way out the door, right? Give me those likes. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Grinders lives coming up later today. I think they're. I think now it's at four forty-five p.m. I never know what time it is. 5, 10, 5 o'clock, four forty-five. You'll see it on the YouTube. You'll see it on the Road of Grinders YouTube. You'll see a thumbnail for it. You'll see Dean's face on it, right? Dean and two other people on it. You'll, you'll see it. It should be in your. If you subscribe, it'll be in your feed. So tune in for that, and they'll go over tonight's six-game NBA slate and then crunch time for premium members. You could always get a premium membership. RotoGrinders.com slash premium. Click on the link in the description. Get $10 off your first month, and uh, and I'll see you tomorrow. Answering your DFS strategy questions, as always, on the DFS pregame show on RotoGrinders.com.